I'm excited for God to speak tonight. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. Does anyone have a paperback Bible tonight? Raise it up. High and proud. Yeah. Amazing. The front row is extra holy. They have their notes out and everything. This is great. So good. Well, before we read this, this is actually Jesus speaking a parable. And he's speaking on a story about a father and two of his sons. But he, he starts the story off with focusing on the younger son. And we're going we're gonna to pick this up starting in verse 11. So it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Big no-no. Verse 14, <laughs> after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He's having a bad day. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, s food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants so he can go up. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, this is where it gets good, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put a ring, put put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Jesus, we just thank you for tonight that, that we get the opportunity to read your word, and we thank you that, that your word actually holds power and strength, Lord. When you read it, things happen. When we read your word, things happen, God. And I pray that we would be more aware of your spirit in this place, God, and that you would speak the loudest tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, tonight, if you're taking notes, um, I want to preach a message entitled, Lost and Found. Lost and Found. And quick question tonight. I know everyone's going to raise their hand. Have you ever lost something before? Be honest. Anyone lost anything that held value to you? Yeah, I've lost plenty of things that didn't really hold that much value to me, but I've lost some things that were pretty important. Like, for instance, my car keys. Kind of need those. 
I've lost my car keys once or twice. Uh, maybe a wallet. Maybe you've lost a wallet or a purse or a purse, a man purse. I don't own one. Maybe some of you guys do. That's your thing. That's cool. Um, I remember before we went to New Zealand on a trip, my wife and I, uh, I had to get a copy of my driver's license for some reason. Don't remember why exactly. No, no, no. It was, it was my driver's license, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. So I had to get a copy of my driver's license and we went to Staples and got it and everything. <laughs> and the next day we were flying out and everything. And, you know, I was just double checking as we're driving to Jacksonville and realized that I left my driver's license in the photocopier at Staples. And I wasn't even sure if it was open or not. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We're not going to be able to get on the flight because I don't have my driver's license. So we drove over there, and they just happened to be open. And I was like, I <laughs> pray to God that my driver's license is still in the photocopier. And I opened it up, and sure enough, it was still there. <laughs> and I was in shock. I was like, surely, like, I, I don't know. I just was expecting the worst, right? But we were able to get it, and um, we we went on our trip and everything. But there have been times where, you know, when you, when you, like, lose your phone and you have a mini heart attack? There's, like, stuff like that, too, really gets me. When you lose your phone, my wife, when she can't find her phone in the morning, she goes in freak-out mode. She's just like, I just hear the, the, the sheets ruffling. I don't know if any of you guys have seen the meme of the cat that's, like, on the bed, and it's like moving around really quick. That's my wife. She's just like, Where, where's my phone? And I was like, babe, it's fine. It's probably, you, it's probably on the ground somewhere. But um, we have all lost something, right, in our lives. And I'm really encouraged by this passage in this story. But essentially, this father in this story has lost something way more valuable, right, than a phone or a wallet. He's lost his son, right? And we see a son choosing to leave as well. And he sits there and he says, Father, give me my inheritance because, peace, I'm out. <laughs> give me my portion of the land. So first off, what amazes me the most is the fact that his son would have the audacity to ask for his inheritance early. Like, I don't know if you guys realize how disrespectful that is, but especially back in this time. It's so disrespectful, right? He's basically saying, number one, hey, you're dead to me, basically. Can I take my inheritance? That's what he's, he's saying. You're, you're actually dead to me. Number two, can I have my inheritance so I can blow it on selfish desires? That's basically what he's saying. And... It's, it's really amazing to me that he would even have the courage to ask. But what do we see the father do? The father, you know, he obliges. He, he says, okay, and he lets him go. And what's crazy to me is that as I was reading this, God spoke to me about a really a, a big truth that we could actually take home tonight for especially for our generation is that we don't ever 
we should never um, give up something that holds value to us for a taste of temporary satisfaction. So we don't give up something that holds great value for just a taste of something that's temporary, temporary satisfaction. And I think in life, especially our generation, that's we see that all the time, right? We see something that's really good, that, that, that is God-given, that, that holds a lot of value to us, and we're attracted to it. But, you know, for some reason throughout life, we get distracted by other things, by worldly things, and we're tempted by the temporary satisfaction. And we put that first thing that held a lot of value to us that was from God kind of off to the side. But I want to encourage you tonight that it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't. We need to hold true to what God has given us. And in verse 13, it's just interesting to me. In verse 13, it says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So he knew the intentions that he had. It was selfish desires and ambition. But I'm reminded of another passage in the Bible in Genesis 25. We see this dynamic between two brothers. Esau selling his birthright to his brother Jacob. So in verse 29 it says, Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of the red stew for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. That's a little extra. <laughs> if you don't ask me, I'm about to die of hunger. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. It's crazy to me, something that held so much value, but Esau couldn't help to fulfill a desire that was only temporary, right? He was dying of hunger. He sold it for a cup of soup and bread, <laughs> something that had so much value. In the moment, it didn't matter. Esau was weary from hunting from that day. He was famished. He just wanted something to eat. And Jacob used that for his own advantage. Esau gave up his birthright, something with lasting value, to fulfill temporary satisfaction. So tonight, as, as we continue to take notes and everything, I wanted, I wanted to give us a few handles just to write down that go along with this, this theme, lost and found. With this dynamic of lost and found, we need to remember as Christians, we are examples of the Father. We are actually the example. We are the examples of the Father. And what do we see in this story? For starters, once the son made his decision, his intentions were never intended to be a good example of his family, and especially of his father. He was concerned about his own agenda, right? 
But later on, it was his hunger that drove him to his senses. It was his lack that caused him to reevaluate things. It's his hunger that caused him to realize the things he, he relied on to feed his life wasn't actually going to take him anywhere. Focus has to be on the right things, right? Godliness. We can't have the opposite mentality. You know, we can't have this, this whole idea of, you know, I'm, I'm going to purposefully do what I know is wrong because no matter what, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. We can't have that mentality. We can't say, you know, it's okay. I know God forgives me later on, so it's okay. Wh- whatever I do now is fine. I'll, I'll worry about it later. We can't have that mentality because we are examples of Christ. What does the son do? He responds with a deep apology, right? He realizes at a certain point what he did wrong. It took him a minute, but he realized it. He went back hoping if he was lucky, his father would maybe allow him to be a servant because that way he could make sure he'd be taken care of. So he, he, he had to get to a place of desperation in order to go back to the father, to in order to realize what he had done, how he disrespected his family and and got into the place that he was in. And... I don't want us to ever have to go to the lowest of lows to realize that God has been there the whole time to guide us. And we already have the most valuable thing that we'll ever need is a relationship with Jesus. I love that Pastor Matt, a few weeks ago, he was talking about convictions versus feelings. I don't know if any of you guys were at at church that Sunday, but it it spoke directly to me. And it was encouraging to me. And I feel like that's where the enemy will attack our generation the most. If it feels good, then that's all that matters. Just follow your feelings. The world says, you know, there aren't any rules. If you want to have sex out of wedlock, go for it. If you want to go out and party every weekend, that's fine. Just go for it. That's what the world says. If you want to experience experience what the world has to offer, just go for it. That's what the world says. But this is not the life that God is calling us to. We are meant to be in communion with Jesus, right? This son was first led by his feelings, but later led by his conviction. He realized, it took him a minute, but he realized what what went down and, and what wrong he caused. Can I encourage you tonight, if you, if you or someone you know is struggling with the tension of giving into feelings over conviction, you need to know that there is actually a better way. There's actually a better way. If you're struggling, there's good news. There is a better way to live life with Jesus, not without him. Rooted in a relationship with Jesus. But we have to remember tonight that that we are the examples. Are we going to be perfect? No, Jesus is perfect. But as long as we give our yes to God and we're committed to always growing in our relationship to God and getting closer to him, that's all that matters. We're never going to be perfect, 
but we can be constantly pursuing him through the process. Do you hear me tonight? And we are the examples for other people. And, and number two tonight, we have to do the work. So we are the examples, and we have to do the work. On the other side of that, we have a responsibility as Christ followers to lead as a good example for others that don't know Jesus. There is a sense of urgency to leading others to Jesus, and that's where the work lies. There's this urgency that, that we should have because we understand that we live in a broken world. There are people that don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know about his love that is unfailing. They don't know about all the benefits that come from a personal relationship. Maybe some of you in this room haven't heard that before, that you could have a personal relationship, but you can. I promise you. Look into it. Read his word. Pray and talk to him. Because it can be personal, but we have to lean into him. But there needs to be a sense of urgency. There are people walking around with no hope in this world, and I have a problem with that. And here at the exchange, we actually have a problem with that. We want to do something about it. Why? Because we have seen God and all the benefits of surrendering our lives over to him. And people need to hear of a Savior who died on the cross, not for some, but for whosoever will. If you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you, you will be saved. It's not you might. You will be saved. But we need to, we need to lead them on the path that, that leads to the Father. When, when I, talked, I talked about it earlier, this whole thing about lost and found and finding things, you know, like your keys or your wallet after a while. I was, I was messing around earlier, but the seriousness lies within this. There, there are actually people th that, that have lost souls. There are lost souls walking around, and we have to understand the weight of that. And when you understand the weight of that, a simple conversation one connection, one divine connection a day is not daunting. It's actually exciting and exhilarating because you have an opportunity to connect someone to the creator of the universe, right? That's exciting, and it's you shouldn't be afraid of denial or failure in the conversation. Just go for it. Just have boldness because at least you, you chose to talk to them than to choose to just see them see their pain, and just walk the other direction. I don't want us, I, I believe that as a, a young community of young adults, we're going to be people that see the opportunity, we're going to take it. We're going to decide to have the conversation, right? We're, we're going to see the potential of a divine connection, and we're going to take it. I'm going to tell them about Jesus and be unashamed. Be unashamed because why would you, why would you hold on to a gift that has literally changed your life, not show anyone. Why would you put a blanket over it and hide it? It's not meant to be hidden. The light that lives on si inside of you is not meant to be hidden. It's meant to shine around you to the people that are around you in your life. So we need to be examples, but we need to, to do the hard work that it takes. 
And sometimes those conversations aren't easy to start, but God will give you the courage and strength to, to have those conversations. And I was really encouraged by a message that I heard recently. Um, Pastor Chris Hodges, he, he was speaking, and in the middle of his message, he, he talked about this whole tension between the lost and found. And he told a story about one of his kids that has severe autism, and his son's name is Joseph, and they were on a ski trip, and um, they were they were going, I think they went to a Starbucks or something, and they were with a group of people, and they were getting coffee and everything, and Joseph decided to go to the bathroom, but he didn't tell his parents, so Pastor Chris didn't see that he went to the bathroom, and he just, you know, after they ordered, got their coffees, he just assumed that everyone was in, in the pack, and they went off to the next store, just next to Starbucks. But little did Joseph know that they <laughs> all left. As soon as he got out of the bathroom, he was looking around, trying to find his parents. And then very soon after that, Pastor Chris realized something was off, that they didn't know where Joseph was. So they immediately went into panic mode, right? They were looking around. They, Pastor Chris went up to, to a security guard and said, my, my son is lost, like, we're, we're trying to find him, can you do anything, can, can you help me? And I'll never forget what he said, the security guard said to him. He just said, well, have you, have you looked the last place that you saw him? And he was, like, so aggravated by the security guard's inactivity because something of value was, was, was lost. Something that had a lot of meaning to, to him was lost, right? And I want us to, to share that heart with God because that's how God feels about his children. He, he's lovesick over his lost children, right? And later on in the story, you know, after 20 to 25 grueling minutes, Pastor Chris sees his son walking in a park over a bridge, and he yells his name, Joseph, Joseph, I'm right here, and he's a crying mess, and he, he finally, you know, sees that their eyes connect, he sees his dad, and he, he runs to his dad, and he said at the end of his message that that interaction, him finding his son, changed him as a pastor, that, that situation literally changed the way that he pastored people, because that's how God views his children. He is so desperate. The way that Pastor Chris felt when he couldn't find his son, it's even magnified more because it's our Heavenly Father and we're all his children. So think about, it's just on a whole nother level, the, the, the sense of being lovesick and wanting to be in communion with all of his children God loves his children, and we are examples. We have to do the work. Amen? You receive that word? So tonight, let's, let's share the good news. Let's, start, let's make a, a decision tonight that we're going to share the good news. We're going we're gonna to bring our friends to the exchange. We're going to bring random strangers that we just met and told them about Jesus to the exchange. Because that's what this is for. That's what church is for. It's for the broken just as much as the, the people that already believe in Jesus.
It's, 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 it's for us just as much, but it's even more so for s- people that are lost. We need to bring them in. We need to be the ones that, to encourage them and to lead them into church to where they can have a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So I implore you tonight to take it seriously. Take ownership of it as a Christ follower to share the good news. And I, I love that the father's response when, when his son came back, he didn't, he didn't yell at him. He didn't get angry. His response was compassion, right? We read it earlier. And that's what God does. When he sees another one of his children accept him and come, comes home and is found, he's overjoyed. He's happy. And this is just a beautiful picture of, of a relationship with God, really. That's what this parable is. And I'm encouraged by it. And I, and I hope that it encouraged you tonight. But I really would love to pray for you guys tonight. So Jesus, I first off pray for people in this room that, that have had trouble sharing their faith, that you would give them a boost of confidence right now, right in this moment, Jesus, that they would take on godly confidence, your confidence, Jesus. I pray that this community would be a community that are courageous, that are not afraid, that are unashamed to tell others about you, Lord. And where we feel weak, Lord, I pray that you would give us strength. And I pray tonight that, that Luke 15 would be a story that would be embedded in our minds, that we would remember how lovesick you are for the lost. I pray that right now we would be able to, to share the same heart that you have, God, for your children, that those that don't know about you that we would understand the urgency to tell others about you, God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.